Happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath. As Dak and to those who are here at the church uh, and also to those who are online. Um, Pastor, I was really, I was sitting down and enjoying your mini sermon on interruptions. Yeah, I was happy to, to sit down and uh, listen to the preacher rather than preach today. Um, and today I was looking forward to seeing many faces. Yeah, many faces at church today. But I, I received a message from Pastor James yesterday. And the message says, um, don't expect to see too many faces in church this morning. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was a bit disappointed because I love to see, I love to see faces. Um, but the Bible says that where two or three are gathered, Amen. yeah, God is right there in the midst of us. And uh, the Holy Spirit reminded me that there are more than two or three, Amen. not only here, but more than two or three online. And uh, even though we cannot gather in the same place or in the same location, we can gather in the same spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, yeah, so today we are facing um, tighter restrictions here in, in Singapore. Um, but still, we need to give God thanks, as Pastor James says. You know, where, where I'm from uh, in the UK, they, their churches have been closed for almost, almost going one year. Almost going one year. And when I speak to my friends, my, my people over there, they're fed up. <laughs> they said they're all zoomed out. And they're looking to get back to church and get back to fellowship. So, you know, we are lucky, right? We, we have been, uh, our churches have been open since last year. Uh, so we, we, are, we are blessed. And uh, although maybe we need to go back to, you know, to the online service for, uh, for, for a few weeks, we should we should still give God thanks because the word of God can continue to be preached. Amen. Yeah? And uh, uh, we can continue to have church in the hearts and the homes of God's people. So, look, I'm thankful today that I don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> I, I think it's the last week, right, that I can preach in this context without wearing a mask. Because like Pastor James, oh, man, I, I, I can't take the mask <laughs> while I'm preaching, while I'm speaking. So uh, I'm going to... I'm going to take advantage and enjoy the freedom that I have today. Amen? Not to be shackled or hindered by the mask. Nothing's going to hold me back. Nothing's going to hold me back today. So those of you, as Pastor says, that were, were here last time um, will know that I've preached on the, the book of Ruth, and uh, I forced Pastor James to invite me back today. Yeah? That's what we preachers do these days. That's our strategy. We, 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 we have a part one, a part two, a part three. And I want to tell James that, that this has a part 10, yes? So, <laughs> so, no, no, I'm not just joking. This is just the last part. This is just the last part. So, so today is uh, Ruth part two, and I will try to cover uh, the rest of the book of Ruth. Uh, that's chapters two, three, and four uh, in my sermon today. So, as, as you know, I always like to uh, read a lot, of, a lot of scripture, yeah? Just to, just to get you uh, annoyed. So let's read Ruth chapter 4, and uh, I want to read quite a few verses. Uh, so, and, I, and I do this so that you guys have the context, yes? I want you to have the context before we dive into our message today. So Ruth chapter 4, uh, reading from verse 1. So meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer. Now, the, the King James Version says kinsman redeemer, same thing. So I will use the term kinsman redeemer today. Uh, he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. 
So he went over and he sat down. Verse 2. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought that I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. And look at what this no-name redeemer says. The Bible doesn't even give him a name. Look at what he says. I will redeem it, he says. Then verse 5, Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire, and this is Boaz's trump card, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead uh, with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, oh, I cannot redeem it because this may endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So there was no signing of contracts in those days, no, no signing on the dotted line. They just took off their sandal <laughs> and, and, and closed the deal. So, so the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And so he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and, and to all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. This is very important. Today you are witnesses. Then... The elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. Wow, they are, they are blessing a Moabite woman that she will have uh, the same blessing as R Rachel and Leah who were respected mothers of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and, and be famous in Bethlehem. And through the offspring the Lord gives you, may this young woman, may your, through this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he be famous throughout all Israel. The title of my message today is simply Kinsman Redeemer. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we pause just for a moment to ask for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit for the preaching of your word today. Lord, as we, as we sit at your feet to, to listen to your word we ask that, as you always do, you open up the windows of heaven and you pour out a blessing upon your people that are here in the church and also that are watching online. 
May Jesus be lifted up. May he be seen. May he be felt. May he be heard in all of the homes that are watching and listening today so that we can all be drawn closer to you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, in order for something to be redeemed, yeah, someone has to pay. There is a debt that needs to be paid. Someone has to pay that debt. But before we move on, let's do a quick review of chapter 1 for those who, who didn't hear my last sermon. So in, in Ruth chapter 1, we see that tragedy strikes a family. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, gathers his family and leaves Israel because of a famine. And of all the places that he can move to, of all the places to take his family, he moves to Moab, a place where they worship idols. And in fact, the, the, the Moabites are descendants of Lot. R remember when the daughters of Lot, they got him drunk, yeah, and then they slept with him. Terrible. One, and one of the sons that came from that terrible situation was named Moab. And the Moabites are his descendants. And you will also recall that when uh, the children of Israel were trying to pass through to the promised land, that no one was more cruel to them than the Moabites. And God took note of this. And so this was the place that Elimelech decided to take his family. And I can preach on that, but I don't have time today. So when they, when they got to Moab, Naomi's husband drops dead. Her, her two sons get married to Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, and soon after, her two sons drop dead too. And so the only thing that Naomi is left with are two Moabite daughter-in-laws who do not have any children. What a tragic story. After 10 years in Moab, Naomi receives a word that, that food has come back to her hometown in, in Israel. So she decides to, to, to set off back to Bethlehem with her two daughter-in-laws. But on the way, Oprah decides to, to, to leave Naomi, to go back to her family, to pursue her dreams. But Ruth makes a decision that, that you just don't see very often. You, you just don't see this happen in these days. Despite Naomi's misfortunes, the amazing thing is that Ruth decides to dedicate her life to someone that can be seen more of, of a burden and a barrier to her personal happiness rather than a blessing. Here we have a young woman in the prime of her life who decides going against, uh, going back home to her family to start over again and, and, and maybe to get remarried. But instead, she attaches herself to a homeless widow named Naomi who has nothing but bad things happening to her. Everything she touches dies. And Ruth says to this person, wherever you go, I will go. And you know the text. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. I am amazed by this because I don't see, I don't see too many Ruths in 2021. There are not too many people who are willing to, to, to sacrifice our own personal happiness to literally put our lives on hold to take care of somebody else. This is the commitment that Ruth made to Naomi. Ruth put her life aside. She put her life on hold so that she could help someone who couldn't help themselves. 
so that she could fight for someone who didn't have any fight left in them. Naomi not only had nothing to her name, but that she was very discouraged and she was a very depressed woman who essentially had given up on life. And you can understand by the tragedy that had struck her life. And Ruth said, I'm going to attach myself to a nobody so that this nobody can have a decent life before she dies. Many scholars agree that Naomi at this time was about in her late 70s and early 80s. And here is this 20-something-year-old woman who says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up my personal hopes and dreams to give Naomi a chance of having a decent life. Ruth forsook her blood family to take care of this woman. And the reason why I am in love with Ruth today is because she teaches us such a powerful lesson. That The book of Ruth is trying to teach us that we serve a loyal God. We serve a God who is determined in spite of our sinfulness that he will not give up on us, that he will not quit on us, that he will not fail us, that he will not treat us in the way that we deserve to be treated. How could anybody here that want to thank, thank God, thank Jesus for treating us better than we ever deserve to be treated? The kind of person that Ruth is, is, is generally the kind of person that God wants to elevate, that he wants to showcase, that he wants to spotlight. But here is the thing. When you look at the sacrifice that Ruth made, there is not a lot of us that God can spotlight. And then in Ruth chapter 2, these two homeless widows, they, they make their way back to Jerusalem. And, and, and when uh, Ruth gets there, she puts her life at risk by going to work in the field to find food to take care of herself and Naomi. And this is called gleaning. And, and gleaning is a law that God has set up so that those that have a field, yes, they, they, they are not supposed to harvest everything, but they are to leave something for those who are poor so that they can pick up the leftovers and have food to survive. That tells me that God doesn't only care about those uh, with the most money. God doesn't only care about those with the most influence, but God cares about the poor. God cares about the needy. God cares about the destitute. And we should too as well. It was very dangerous for, for women to, to work in these fields as, as they will often be raped. But, but Ruth had no choice. She had to survive. She had to, 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 to bring food back for her and, and her mother-in-law. But praise God, she just happened to land in the right field. <laughs> she lands in Boaz's field. And I, and I just want to pause here and say that when we're doing God's work, when we, when we put God first in our lives, we don't intend of, of ending up in the right place, but we just happen to end up in the right place. And this is definitely my testimony, brothers and sisters. So Ruth ends up in the field uh, of a man named Boaz, not, not knowing that, that Boaz would one day be her husband, not knowing that Boaz would one day give her children, not knowing that Boaz was one of the most wealthy people uh, and men of, in all Bethlehem at that time. But when, when Boaz meets Ruth, he is intrigued by this young woman, putting her life at risk 
to work in the field. And he is told that, that she is doing this to take care of her mother-in-law. And when he hears this, brothers and sisters, he is impressed with her faithfulness. Young men, he is not so much impressed with her looks. He is not so much impressed with her figure. He is impressed with her faithfulness. And, and, and so from that time, he, he offers her protection and he gives her much food to take home to her mother-in-law. And then in Ruth, uh, uh, the third chapter, Naomi sees that Ruth is always coming home with, with all of this food. And so she starts feeling better about her situation and, and, and she starts seeing God working in their lives. And Ruth explains to Naomi that she is working in the field of a man named Boaz who has shown her much kindness. And so when Naomi hears the name Boaz, she has a big smile on her face because she says that Boaz is a relative of her late husband, Elimelech. So Naomi sees something good in this. So she tells Ruth, look, you need to make a move on Boaz. She tells her that the next time you go into the field, put on something nice, you know, put on a nice dress, put on some nice perfume, make your hair look pretty. And if you don't believe me, you read that in, in verse three of, of chapter three. But women, women know how to get around their women, uh, get, get around their men, right? You women know that, right? We men are easy to please. Uh, I, see the, I see a wife looking at her husband right there. We, <laughs> we men, we, women are easy to please. You know, when, when, when my wife, she wants something from me or she wants me to agree to something, she, she changes her voice, you know, starts speaking to me nicely. And uh, somebody will ask, well, why don't she speak to you that way all the time? Well, that's something I've been asking since the first time we've been married. I've been asking that same question. So, so Naomi tells Ruth, make yourself look nice and, and wait for him to drop to sleep. And, and after he sleeps, go down and lie by his feet. Have mercy. Is there something? Uh, that's a bit forward, isn't it? But don't, don't be alarmed, brothers and sisters. Don't be alarmed. Please understand that that this wasn't any romantic stuff going on here, but, but this was part of the custom in those days. It, it was a way of Ruth saying to Boaz, I am available to marry you if you will have me. And she tells Boaz that he is a kinsman of Naomi's late husband, and according to the law, he has the right to marry her. You know, people, uh, they, they love to turn this into a, 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 a romantic love story, but it's not really a romantic story, you know, in the way that, that, that Pastor James and his wife is a romantic story. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know, but, you know, Pastor James looks like a, a romantic man. And, and I imagine that when he was younger and he, he first met his wife, you know, when he first met his wife, he couldn't eat. You know, remember those days? You know, he, he couldn't sleep. He, he had butterflies every time that he, he, he saw her face, uh, every time that he came to speak to her. Pastor James, is that true? But, but Ruth and Boaz's story is not like that. I, I wish I can say it was. I, I wish I can say that Ruth was in love with Boaz, but she doesn't even know him. She is just doing anything that she can in order to survive and to put her family in a position to survive. And when Boaz wakes up, he was, he was surprised to find a woman at his feet. And so Ruth tells him that he is a kinsman. And according to the law, he has the right to marry her. 
And Boaz is impressed with her faithfulness. And so he says he will do it. He will marry her. But then he remembers, oh my goodness, I don't think I can do it because I am not next in line to take care of your family. Now, I'm going to pause here because it's, imp it's important that you understand uh, two things if you are to understand what's going on in the book of Ruth. You need to understand what a kinsman redeemer is and you need to understand what a liverite marriage is. Yes? It is based on a law that was first mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy. So in order for a woman to survive in those days, yeah, she really had to be married. A woman without a, a man or a woman without a husband had no security and quite honestly had no future. Now I can see some women squirming in their seats <laughs> at home at the, at the very sound of that, you know, uh, that they need a man in order to survive. Um, but please, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, I, I'm not condoning this the way of life. This is just the way it was back in the day. Now, when Naomi's husband died, she, she was in trouble. But at least she had two sons. And according to the law, these two sons would be able to take care of her. Yeah? But, that, but things got really bad because then her two sons dropped dead. And so the only thing that she has to her name are two Moabite daughter-in-laws. So now she's really stuck. She's really at the bottom of society. No husband and no sons to take care of her. So here's what the law says. Here's what the law says. The law says that if a husband dies and had no children, and, and in this case the children died, it was the responsibility of his brother to marry his brother's wife and to give her children so that the brother's name will continue. Yes? Now, you, you know whenever women hear this law, there's, not, there's two reactions. Yeah? Some women will go, marry my brother-in-law. That's disgusting. <laughs> I can't do that. And others will go, marry my brother-in-law. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Which one are you? That's the question. Which one are you? It, 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 but, it, but it's hard for us to understand this law, because for us, when it comes to relationships, it's all about feelings. It's all about romance. But, but, but in those days, it wasn't about feelings. It was about security. It was about name. It was about bloodline. And, and so because Naomi doesn't have a brother-in-law to marry her, her only hope is that there might be a distant cousin who is next of kin who will be willing to marry her and to redeem her husband's land, which they lost when they fell on hard times. Hence the term kinsman redeemer. But here's the key. He does not have to do it like the brother would. If, if a husband has a distant cousin, it is his choice to take on Naomi and Ruth. But the problem is that Naomi is like 80 years old. She, she's past the ability to give children. She's not on the market anymore. And she's left with a Moabite daughter-in-law. All they can do now is to just beg and hope that, that, that someone will take an interest in them and then just take care of them for the rest of their life. So, according to the law, a kinsman redeemer had to fulfill three things. 
Number one, a kinsman redeemer had to be a blood relative, a distant cousin, maybe. Number two, and not only were they supposed to be a blood relative, but they had to have the ability to redeem. You, you have to have the financial resources to pay the price to redeem someone. And the third thing that, about the kingdom redeemer is the person had to be willing to redeem. And I need you to keep that in mind as, as the book of Ruth comes to a climax. So Boaz says to Ruth, there is another relative that is closer than I am, and I am not sure, Ruth, that I can redeem you. But he says, leave it with me. Leave it with me, because Boaz is committed to these two widows, one who is too old and beyond childbearing potential, and the other who is a Moabite woman. But he was committed to both of them. And so Boaz goes to meet the relative who is closer than him. Uh, and he goes to meet him at the city gate where apparently all legal transactions take place. And, and he gathers the city leaders to witness this transaction. And apparently you need 10 elders to legalize a transaction. And so this no-name kinsman redeemer shows up. Bible doesn't even give him a name. And Boaz says to him, look, we need to talk. He said, look, here is the situation. Naomi's husband, uh, who is a relative of ours, is dead. And now she is back in Bethlehem and she needs her land. Someone needs to redeem it. Basically, somebody needs to buy it because when she left, she lost it. Yeah? Now, I don't know if you want to do this, but you might be interested in this business, uh, in this business deal. They own some land. The land has been neglected for some time. Uh, but if you invest a little in it, you know, you might make a profit. Do you want it? Do you want to redeem it? And so this no-name redeemer, he's, he's thinking it through. He says, okay, I will get the land and I will get this old woman who can't have children. He says, I'll take it. He says, I'll redeem it. Understand now, if Naomi could have children, if she was able to have children, then the land that he is about to redeem would eventually go to the child. But because she's, of, um, she's not of childbearing age, the no-name redeemer sees a good deal and he says, count me in. I'll redeem the land and I'll redeem Naomi as well. But then Boaz, he plays his trump card because Boaz wants to redeem it. And he says to the no-name redeemer, by the way, by the way, Naomi has a daughter-in-law. And she is a Moabite. But she comes with the package. You will have to marry her and take her as well if you're going to redeem the land. And so the no-name redeemer, he thinks about it for a moment. And he says, that's going to be a problem. Do you know why it's going to be a problem? He's thinking in his head, well, if I take on Ruth, that's going to hurt my inheritance. Because he's thinking, uh, I'm going to have to give this young Moabitess a son. And if I raise up a son, I'm just going to lose what I just paid for. Because when the son grows up, he's going to inherit the land that I just paid for. He says, it's not a good business deal. And so he says, oh, you redeem it. I'm not willing to redeem it. You redeem it. Let me just pause here for a moment. I believe 
and I think I said this last time, that too many of us make sensible decisions. What do I mean by that? What, what I've discovered is that blessed people, people that do great things for God, don't make sensible decisions. They make spiritual decisions. They, they, they don't make decisions based on what they see. They make decisions based on what God says. And, and so this no-name redeemer thought about the offer again. And he says, it's not a good business deal. He says, I'm out. He says, it's not a good move for me financially. It was a sensible decision. But he didn't realize that he just passed up being part of the royal family. He, he just missed an opportunity for his name to be in the same sentence as King David. He just missed up an opportunity for his name to be in the same sentence as King Solomon and to be in the family line of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself because he made a sensible decision and not a spiritual one. How many blessings do we miss out on today because we make sensible decisions on behalf of ourselves and our families and not spiritual ones? And so the no-name redeemer says, I'm out. And the Bible says that Boaz says, I will redeem them. He didn't have to do it. He, he could have left Ruth gleaning in the fields, uh, but he said, I will marry Ruth. I will redeem them. And the story of Ruth is a foreshadowing of the gospel. It, it is a foreshadowing of the story of Jesus Christ. Boaz is a type of Christ. And what Boaz did for Ruth and Naomi is a picture of what Jesus has done for each one of us. And this is the theme of my sermon today. Let, let, let us go uh, from this meeting at, at the city gate with Boaz and the elders and the no-name kinsman redeemer. Let's go to another meeting. I want you to go to another meeting in your minds. And this meeting was somewhere in heaven before the world was made. And, and it was a place between... Uh, and it took place between God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who decided that they would make earth, who decided that they would make man, who decided that, 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 they, that they would make this earth as a test to see if those made a little lower than the angels could obey God in love without being forced. But this required the Godhead coming together to put a plan in place because there was always the possibility that man would fail. And, and so at this meeting... At this meeting, that the son stepped forward and he said to his father, Father, let's go ahead and make the earth. Let's go ahead and make man in our own image. And if they fail, I will go down. I will become their redeemer. I will pay the penalty for sin. We have to understand today, brothers and sisters, that we are unable to pay the price for our sin. There is no way that we can bring ourselves back to God with our own efforts. Without someone redeeming us, we are lost forever. Do you hear me, Esdak? Unless someone redeems me, I am lost forever. And Jesus says, I will be their redeemer. But it wasn't enough to be a redeemer. He had to be a kinsman redeemer. He had to be a blood relative. He had to be able and he had to be willing. Number one, he had to be like us. You see, God, God cannot shed blood. But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. It could not be done except that God would become man. 
And so Jesus left the splendor of heaven to, to, to become man. He took on the flesh. The Bible says in John 1 and verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 2, 17, 18 says, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Or in other words, that he might redeem us. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus put on flesh. Why? So that he could be in our bloodline. He put on flesh forever. He gave up his omnipresence forever so that he could be our kinsman redeemer. How amazing is that? And one of my favorite verses in the Bible, brothers and sisters, Philippians 2, verse 6 and 7, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, he made himself what? Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He said, I can't do it from my throne in heaven. I can't do it from a distance. I have to, be, I have to come down and be born of a virgin. I have to come down because if I'm going to redeem the members of Esdak, I need to be in the same bloodline with them. So I will make myself man. I will make myself where they will hate me. I will make myself where they will spit on me. I will make myself where they will crucify me. Because in order for a man to be redeemed according to the law, there had to be blood. Thank God that Jesus came in the form of a man so that he could be our kinsman redeemer. Number one, had to be a, a blood relative. Number two, a kingdom redeemer must be able to redeem. Not only must they be a, a blood relative, but they must be able to pay the price of redemption. Redemption comes at a cost, brothers and sisters. You know, we always say and we always sing that salvation is free. It's free for us, but to God it came at a cost. But God was willing to pay that cost. He was willing to pay the price. 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Jesus was willing to pay the price. And many people think that we can do what we want. We can live as we please. But, but the Bible says that we are not our own. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God because we were bought with a price. So therefore, we should honor God with our lives. Look at what it says in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. It says, for you know, not that, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Being a relative was not enough. You've got to be able to pay the price. And the price was paid with the precious blood of Jesus. Also, he had to fulfill the law and live a perfect life without sin. And, and this is why Jesus is the only one who could be our kinsman redeemer. Number three, a kinsman redeemer had to be willing to redeem. 
You know, we saw in Ruth chapter 4, the, the no-name kinsman redeemer, he, he was the closest relative, he had the financial resources, but he wasn't willing to pay the price. He didn't want a Moabite in his family. They had a bad name. They had a bad reputation. He, he didn't want anything to do with that. But Jesus, like Boaz, he stood up. And even though he knew everything about us, he says, I will redeem them. Even though he knew that, that we would put him on the cross, he said, I will redeem them. Even though he knew that we have a bad name and a bad reputation, he said, I will redeem them. Jesus knows our secrets. He, he knows the skeletons that are in our closet. He knows our deepest thoughts. And even knowing all of that, he was still willing to redeem us. And God didn't have to do it. You know, some people think that this was God responsibility to do it, that God was required to save us. No, we are the ones who sin. God could have left us to die in our sins, but he didn't. He came to redeem us. But God's love and grace found us when we were in the gutter. And the Bible says that he demonstrated his love for us such that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, Jesus fulfills all three requirements to be our kinsman redeemer. Let's take a look at the four things that Boaz did. Boaz, he, number one, he came to redeem. He, he fulfilled the law by buying back Naomi's land. Number three, he purchased Naomi and Ruth, a Jew and a Gentile. And number four, Ruth became his bride. Let's look at the four things that Jesus did for us. Number one, Jesus came to redeem us. Number two, he fulfilled the law. He kept it perfectly, number one, and he paid the penalty for sin with his blood. Number three, he purchased or redeemed all people, everyone, both Jews and Gentiles. And number four, we are the bride of Christ, his church. Boaz represents Christ and Ruth represents the church. And you have two people with similar visions. Ruth is not trying to only help herself. She is trying to take care of Naomi. Boaz is not trying to only help himself. He's not, he's not trying to take care of his bank account. He's trying to take care of Naomi and Ruth. And God is trying to unite two people together to help to save lives. What am I saying? The purpose of the church is to partner with Christ. We're not supposed to be planning a bunch of programs to take care of ourselves, to entertain ourselves. But God has brought Christ and the church together so that we can help to save some lives. He became our kinsman redeemer so that we can actively participate in winning souls for his kingdom. Kinsman redeemer is one of the most amazing and beautiful pictures that we have of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us. And I want to leave you with Isaiah 43, 1 to 2, it says, But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Here, God announces himself not only as our creator, not only as our redeemer, but also as our ever-present friend. 
He walks with us each day through the good and through the bad, through the pandemic. He is there to help us to face the various challenges of life and the fiery darts that the, that the devil throws our way. And even when we don't feel his presence, he says that he is there with us. The question today is where do you stand with your kinsman redeemer? I believe that maybe there is somebody listening to me today, maybe here, maybe online, uh, that needs to make a decision to give your life to your kinsman redeemer. If that applies to you, please get in touch with our pastor, Pastor James, here at the church, and he will be able to take you to the next step of your spiritual journey. And I believe that there are many others listening today uh, that have not fully surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. Although we've been coming to church for many years. Let me encourage you, please, do not leave our service today without recommitting and rededicating your life to your kinsman redeemer. So let me leave you with a poem. My kinsman redeemer, so willing, so just. You took on our human form that was a must. You know how it feels to live and to die, not some distant spirit up there in the sky. My kinsman redeemer, my savior and king, my Lord and my God, my everything. You cleanse the earth with an awesome flood and you cleanse my soul with your precious blood. My kinsman redeemer, my teacher, my master, all other paths will lead to disaster. For you are the truth and life and the way and you guide my steps day after day. My kinsman redeemer, my savior, my friend, of your love and grace, there is no end. You have redeemed me you have made me whole, my kinsman redeemer, the lover of my soul. Brothers and sisters, members of ESDAC, we have a kinsman redeemer, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let us all stand up as we uh, sing to our Kingsman's Redeemer and praise him.
in heaven we thank you for another opportunity to hear your word preached thank you for another opportunity that we have to respond to your word and to rededicate our lives to you our kinsman redeemer we thank you for this beautiful picture of the gospel that we have in the book of Ruth like Ruth and Naomi we too were lost we too were destitute we too had no future. We had no hope. But because you left the splendor of heaven and was willing to, to get into our bloodline, you were willing and able to pay the price and the, the penalty for sin that we can now look forward to a bright future. We can now look forward to eternal life with you. Thank you that we have a kinsman redeemer and his name is Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to be with this church, be with Pastor James, uh, the leaders, and, and all of the members. And particularly, I pray that you will guide them and lead them as they navigate their way through uh, the next few weeks of church. And I pray that they will realize that even in this current climate, that you continue to give them opportunities. And I pray, Lord, that they will continue to make a difference that they will continue to reach out to others, that they will continue to proclaim your name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today I pray that you will dismiss us with your blessing, but never ever from your presence. These things we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.